Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Uh, Rich Iverson here, and uh, tonight I'd like to read something I've been working on for the last week, 10 days or so. I actually started um, uh, working on two uh, writing projects, and it appeared as if they um, they could dovetail, so... I uh, have been combining the two different items. And essentially, it's going to take us all to the same place, and that is understanding the so-called traffic stop. I say so-called because that's not what it is. That's a colloquial or conventional uh, name for what is, in fact, an arrest. Now, for those of you who may be um, unfamiliar with this particular topic, traffic, um, what I'm about to read, what I'm about to assert might sound fantastic, mind-boggling, unbelievable. Well, let me assure you it's not. Um, it's my intention not only to provide my assertions, my take on what I've read and considered, thought about over the last 20 years or so, um, with unassailable sources. I'm an empirical evidence kind of guy. When it comes to the secular realm, secular law, empirical evidence is very, very important. So without that, you can say anything you want. Well, I'm not guilty because that's what I believe. (laughs) That's all well and good, but that's not going to get you very far in a courtroom. So it's my intention to provide people with information so they can make an informed belief and their faith is based on facts and not conjecture or hearsay. If hearsay was reliable, it would be permitted in criminal trials, but it's, it, it's not. It's, hearsay is less reliable than personal knowledge. Now, I'm going to actually read from this thing that I put together over the last seven to ten days, so I'm just going to use the word read as opposed to hear because I'm not going to change anything. This is what I type. This is what I'm going to read. And um, so uh, this thing is entitled currently Civil Asset Forfeiture, Theft Under Color of Law. That's one heading. The other is so-called traffic stops, extortion and highway robbery. Now, because I'm making that assertion um, and because my website is Section 520, which comes from the California Evidence Code, um, where we read that the accuser bears the burden of proof, I have a duty to support what I assert. 
so I have the I have the burden of proving. And um, so I'm calling civil asset forfeiture theft under color of law, and I'm calling so-called traffic stops extortion and highway robbery. And this is a little Chinese proverb. The beginning of wisdom is calling things by their right names. And away we go. I'm not asking the reader to take any of my assertions on faith. Faith, oftentimes, is based on unverifiable beliefs. What I offer in addition to my assertions is what I consider unassailable fact from legitimate government sources, that being the founding documents, statutes, and the courts. I locate and read court cases. I locate and read statutes. I locate and read code sections. I think about what I read, and I've included some of what I've located and read in what follows. My objective is for the reader to know, not guess. I believe teachers teach people how to know, not how to guess, reasonably or otherwise. I, how, I highly doubt those working at NASA or those who build aircraft carriers or supersonic jets are guessing how to accomplish the various tasks. Like any other field of activity, there's rules and terms or language used so people have a better understanding about the field and the terms or language used in that field or activity so they can know better, so to speak. My objective is to provide accurate information upon which one's faith and belief is based. The reader will know, not have to guess. The reader will be able to see what many never see. Hearsay, or what you are told, is less reliable than what you see. In the legal field, having personal knowledge separates the competent witness from the incompetent witness, and no one is permitted to testify unless they have personal knowledge about that which they intend to testify because you don't want people making things up and pretending they know when in fact they don't. My assertions are based on empirical evidence, not theory or conjecture. My thinking is that this will prevent one from being misled by faith-based to the exclusion of empirical evidence, unverifiable beliefs asserted by lazy or incompetent people who have no scruple about lying their way to the top at your expense, or the well-meaning but sorely misinformed. I encourage critical thinking as opposed to swallowing wholesale information from supposed leaders or authority figures that sounds good but doesn't link to any verifiable or credible source. Law enforcement officers, police, sheriff deputies, highway patrol officers, are municipal employees. They're government workers. The job they're hired to do is a privilege, not an entitlement. They must qualify for it just like any other worker. They work in a service industry. Their company doesn't manufacture anything. They don't offer or sell merchandise. They provide a service. Now, I, um, I copied and pasted a few sections from the 
LAPD's website regarding their mission statement. And this is under mission statement of the LAPD. It is the mission of the Los Angeles Police Department to safeguard the lives and property of the people we serve. And this is from core values of the LAPD, subheading service to our communities. We are dedicated to enhancing public safety and reducing the fear and the incidence of crime. People in our communities are our most important customers. Our motto, to protect and to serve, is not just a slogan, it's our way of life. This next subsection is entitled Reverence for the Law. Um, you might want to grab a uh, throw-up bag uh, at this point. Well, uh, we have been given the honor and privilege of enforcing the law. We must always exercise integrity in the use of the power and authority that the people have given to uh, that have been given to us by the people. Let me make a bit of a correction there. The people, you, you guys, everybody who's listening to this has not given the police anything. They work under a grant. We have granted a privilege, which was just identified. That part's correct. It is a privilege, and it's granted just like the driving privilege is granted. So they have to behave. If they don't behave... The privilege can be yanked under appropriate circumstances, just like the driver's license. So again, we must always exercise integrity in the use of the power and authority that have been given to us by the people. Our personal and professional behavior should be a model for all to follow. We will obey and support the letter and spirit of the law. <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah, I have some beachfront property for sale um, up in the middle of Canada if anybody wants to buy some. Um, this is motto, mission, statement, and core values. This is a, another subsection. The Los Angeles Police Department is committed to serving the community while protecting the rights of all persons. The point being that these employees are providing a service. That's the deal, and we're, we're, we're viewed as customers. The majority of civil asset forfeitures along the roadside stem from warrantless arrests for non-criminal conduct. That's probably going to come as quite a shock to most people, but it's, it's true, and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to determine the truth of what I just asserted based on what's going to follow. But again, the majority of civil asset forfeitures along the roadside stem from warrantless arrests for non-criminal conduct. Fine-only offenses, which constitute the majority of so-called traffic stops, form the basis of one having their property taken by law enforcement officers. Fine-only offenses cannot be crimes given the party accused of one not getting a trial by jury to which one is entitled when they're accused of a crime. When people are pulled over, they're innocent. When the officer issues a notice to appear a citation, they're still innocent. In fact, they've only been accused. They haven't been convicted. People equate an accusation with a conviction, 
And that's a huge mistake. Just because someone says you broke a rule doesn't mean you actually did. They've only accused, but they haven't proven their allegation, and that's what due process of law is all about. Due process of law is the proper application of rules in order to correctly determine if someone actually did what the accuser alleged they did. This is a court case from, uh, this is a citation from a court case dating to 1890. This is a California um, Supreme Court uh, decision. It's going, G-O-I-N-G, versus Dinwiddie. Going versus Dinwiddie. It's 86 Cal 663. 86 Cal 633. Again, going versus Dinwiddie. It's an 1890 California Supreme Court case. It's 86 Cal 633. Prima facie, the law presumes that the defendant is innocent of crime or wrongdoing. Uh, let me add to that, duh. Uh, it's, it forms the basis of our ju judicial or legal system in this country, where everybody's presumed innocent until proven they're not. Now, civil, this is a very important uh, code section. This is Civil Code, California Civil Code, Section 1708. California Civil Code, Section 1708. Every person is bound without contract to abstain from injuring the person or property of another or infringing upon any of his or her rights. That's very powerful. California Civil Code, Section 1708. Now, the state can't have it both ways. If a finally offense is a crime, then the defendant gets a jury trial, period. The state cannot forfeit a clearly established constitutional right of one of the people they serve, which is precisely what the peace officer does when they take someone's property, civil asset forfeiture, during a so-called traffic stop. Due process of law is required prior to forfeiture of a secured fundamental right. People not only have the right to a trial by jury, but also have the right to absolutely own property. And due process of law is required before the loss of a secured right. Now, the discretion to arrest, pull people over, is provided by the legislature at California Penal Code Section 836 and Vehicle Code Section 40300.5. Penal, now I'm going to read uh, from both sections. Penal Code Section 836A, a peace officer may arrest a person in obedience to a warrant or pursuant to the authority granted to him, by, uh, to him or her by Chapter 4.5, commencing with Section 830 of Title Three of Part 2, without a warrant, may arrest a person whenever the following circumstances occur. This is the most significant section. It's number one. The officer has probable cause to believe that the person to be arrested has committed a public offense in the officer's presence. Now I'm about to read Vehicle Code Section 40300.5. In addition to the authority to make an arrest without a warrant pursuant to paragraph one of subdivision a of section 836 of the penal code a peace officer may without a warrant arrest a person when the officer has 
reasonable cause to believe that the person has been driving while under the influence of an alcoholic beverage or any drug or under the combined influence of any alcoholic beverage and any drug when any of the following exists. A, the person is involved in a traffic accident. B, the person is observed in or about a vehicle that is obstructing a roadway. C, the person will not be apprehended unless immediately arrested. D, a person, the person may cause injury to himself or herself or damage the property unless immediately arrested. And E, the person may destroy or conceal evidence of the crime unless immediately arrested. Now, Government Code Section 14 is important to understanding what, what's, what's going on here. Shall is mandatory and may is permissive. Now, based on what, what you all heard, it, um, in my reading of Penal Code Section 836 and also California Vehicle Code Section 40300.5, police have no mandatory duty to pull anyone over. Hard to believe, but that's what the legislature wrote. There is no legislative requirement or obligation imposed on any law enforcement officer to stop anyone, even if they commit a violation of the vehicle code. Hard as that may be to believe, all one has to do to confirm it is read Penal Code Section 836 and Vehicle Code Section 40300.5, where they have only provided a discretionary duty to arrest. In common talk, they can if they want to, but they don't got to. The discretion to arrest is valid as long as the conditions the legislature has specified are met. If those conditions are not present, the arrest is void, lacking constitutional foundation, and the officer's conduct is beyond or outside his constitutional duty, and he becomes liable in damages to the party he subjected to the warrantless arrest. The officer's qualified immunity is of no moment, given he was not acting in his official capacity, nor within the scope of his constitutional duty. Now, this citation I'm about to read is found in a court case called People versus Sava, S-A-V-A, that's S-A-V as in Victor A, People versus Sava. It's 190 Cal App 3rd, 935. 190 Cal App 3rd, 935. This is from a 1987 California, <coughs> excuse me, Court of Appeals decision. This is the only court case in California history that contains these four words. Infractions are not crimes. The and then they go on to ice the cake. The legislature did not intend to classify infractions as crimes. I cannot stress the importance of what you just heard. The Court of Appeals told us what an infraction isn't, and they also told us what the intent of the legislature was. One of the prime directives, to use a Star, a Star Trek term, is, is the courts determining the intent of the legislature. 
what did the legislature intend when they wrote this rule or this law? What was their intention? Well, the Court of Appeals in California in 1987 informed the reader the legislature did not intend to classify infractions as crimes. That's, that's an unassailable fact from an unassailable government source. So infractions of the vehicle code are not crimes. Yet, a so-called traffic stop for a non-criminal infraction is an arrest. Now, what I'm about to read is found in a publication provided by the Alameda District Attorney. You can go to their, their website and download this publication. The publication is entitled Point of View. And this particular point of view is from the spring of 2009, and the, it's entitled Arrests. So again, this is at the Alameda uh, District Attorney's website. It's a publication entitled Point of View, and this particular publication, the one from spring 2009, is, has to do with arrests. And what I'm about to read is found on page one. They make it very convenient for us. A traffic arrest occurs when an officer stops the vehicle after seeing the driver commit an infraction. The purpose of the stop is to enforce the law, not conduct an investigation. And specifically, it's a warrantless arrest. Now, in order for it to be valid, it must be authorized by the legislature. The legislature is the lawmaking body of state government. They have fully occupied the field of criminal law. And the legislature has authorized arrests for criminal conduct. And unless the officer complies with the conditions the legislature has provided at Penal Code Section 836, or Vehicle Code Section 40300.5, the arrest is false and invalid, lacking legislative and hence constitutional authorization. Now, this particular court citation, uh, this is from, as people say, back in the day. I'm talking 1795. You're going to find this in a court case entitled Van Horn's Lessee versus Dorrance. Van Horn's Lessee versus Dorrance, D-O-R-R-A-N-C-E. It's 2 U.S. 304. 2 U.S. 304. This is a, from a U.S. Supreme Court decision from 1795. Whatever may be the case in other countries, yet in, in this, there can be no doubt that every act of the legislature repugnant to the Constitution is absolutely void. In other words, if the legislature writes a law that's repugnant to the Constitution, the prohibitions and the and the restrictions imposed on the legislature by the Constitution, what the legislature wrote, no matter how lofty the words, it's void. So whatever the legislature writes, whatever laws they write, 
whatever statutes they write, has to harmonize with the Constitution. Otherwise, it's no good. So let's bring this back to the... uh, to the so-called traffic stop in the street, so to speak. Should the officer seize property based on an unauthorized arrest, the officer commits a crime, theft, or larceny. And given the officer will take the still innocent party's property away from the scene of the warrantless taking, the, the officer also commits trespass de bonus asportatus. That translates into taking something away. You pick something up, you take it down the street, that's called, especially if it doesn't belong to you and you don't have the permission of the owner to take it down the street, that's called trespass de bonus asportatus. That's being done on a routine basis all across the country. The legislature has not provided authorization for a peace officer or any other government employee, for that matter, to take property without a warrant or other court order when no crime has been committed. Now, this is from a, a court case, California, another California Supreme Court decision called People v. Parham, P-A-R-H-A-M. The state must not profit from its own wrong. Uh, I don't know if that requires any explanation, but in any event, People versus Parham, 60 Cal 2nd, 378. 60 Cal 2nd, 378. That's a 1963 California Supreme Court decision. The state must, must not profit from its own wrong. This is from a uh, California Court of Appeals decision from the year 2000. It's uh, from a case entitled People versus Sherwin. People versus Sherwin. It's uh, Calap Fourth. There is no uh, uh, citation in the traditional sense other than the case number, which is C zero three zero four eight five. C zero three zero four eight. This is from 2000. It has long been the law of California that evidence obtained by such unconstitutional means, illegal arrests, searches, and seizures, is inadmissible at trial and incompetent to support an accusatory pleading. Again, takes us right right into uh, People versus Parham. The the, The state must not profit from its own wrong. So in 2000, the Court of Appeals held that it has long been the law of California that evidence obtained by such unconstitutional means, such as illegal arrests, searches, and seizures, is inadmissible. How are they going to prove you did anything wrong without evidence? Well, the cop said so. Sorry, that doesn't work in our system. This is all fundamental stuff. Now, what I'm about to say or what I'm about to read from this publication, this thing I've been working on for the last uh, week or so, it's going to sound pretty, uh, well, you'll be the judge. People are immune from arrest and seizure of their property when no crime has been committed, yet they appear to willingly accept being arrested and having their rights denied and property taken for non-criminal conduct by their employees. I don't get it. 
we're immune from arrest and the seizure of our property when no crime is, has been committed. But this is happening on a routine – right now, thousands upon thousands of people all across this country are being subjected to a warrantless arrest, fear, terror – you know, to use another uh, contemporary term – and uh, they're being subjected to a criminal process when no crime has been committed. And in, in, in a lot of those cases, there's, the cops are taking their stuff without a warrant. They're not paying for it, and they're not giving them a receipt. Now, this is from California Vehicle Code, Section 4. No action or proceeding commenced before this code takes effect, and no right accrued is affected by the provisions of this code. Now, Vehicle Code Section 4 is a prohibition. It informs the reader of what's not subject to an action by a law enforcement officer and the process the law enforcement officer commences when they make a so-called traffic stop. Again, people are innocent, so proven guilty by their accuser, consistent with due process of law. Civil asset forfeiture constitutes a summary deprivation of property and the secured right of property ownership prior to any hearing before a neutral judicial officer. Additionally, they do not receive payment from the government employee nor a receipt for what was taken. Why do adults so willingly accept being arrested and subjected to the loss of their rights and property by their employees for non-criminal conduct? Why are adults not complaining about being subjected to arrest for non-criminal conduct? Why are adults paying a fine for having been arrested for non-criminal conduct? And why aren't more adults doing something about it? Not only is it happening to them, but it's happening to their kids. And it's going to happen to their kids. That's what you're going to see at California Government Code Section 13951B as in boy 1. 13951B as in boy 1. Crime means a crime or public offense. This is from Agnew versus City of Culver City. 147 Cal App 2nd, 144. 147 Cal App 2nd, 144. This is a 1956 California Court of Appeals uh, case. Every man should be able to know with certainty when he is committing a crime. I don't know. Seems plain and unambiguous to me. Now, this is from a court case entitled In Ray Peppers. It's, uh, Ray is spelled R-E, not R-A-Y. So it's in, second word is R-E, and then the last name, and then the name is Peppers. This is from 1922. It's a California Supreme Court decision, 189 Cal 682. 189 Cal 682. The vice short... The vice of this sort of legislation is quite aptly pointed out in the case of United States versus Reeve, 92 U.S. 214, in which the court says, quote, if the legislature undertakes to define a new offense, 
and provide for its punishment, it should express its will in language that need not deceive the common mind. Every man should be able to know with certainty when he is committing a crime. It would certainly be dangerous if the legislature could set a net large enough to catch all possible offenders and leave it to the courts to step inside and see who could be rightfully detained and who should be set at large. And again, people versus Sava. Infractions are not crimes. The legislature did not intend to classify infractions as crimes. Then we have this gem from the Ninth Circuit. This is uh, from a case entitled Clement, C-L-E-M-E-N-T, Clement versus J and E Service, Inc. It's number 05-56692, March 11, 2008. Again, it's from the Ninth Circuit. Even if the officer is not expected to know the law of all 50 states, surely he is expected to know the California Vehicle Code. And that is reiterated in a California appellate decision from 2011. It's the people versus Jesus Santos Sanchez Reyes. The people versus Jesus Santos Sanchez Reyes, 196, Calap 4th, 856. Even if the officer is not expected to know the law of all 50 states, surely he is expected to know the California Vehicle Code. Again, let me add, duh. How can the officer be considered competent if they don't know the rules they're enforcing? Now, cops, sheriff deputies, highway patrol officers are essentially insurance salesmen. Now, a few days ago, I woke up, um, and uh, you know that part of your sleep where you're asleep and that part where your feet actually hit the floor, there's kind of a zone in between there where you're working through the sleep and processing the groggy part? Well, for whatever reason... um, I had this vision of a spigot with water flowing out of it. You know, it was open and water's flowing out of it. And and, uh, so these are the thoughts that uh, came to mind uh, as I held this visual of a spigot, you know, the thing you hook your hose up to and turn on to water plants and stuff like that. Cops have been authorized to open the valve. Cops have been authorized to turn on the public money spigot. Cops have been authorized to allocate public money. They have been authorized to spend and have spent public money. How do we know they're competent to do so? Traffic stops cost money. 
when a cop makes a so-called traffic stop, he's opening the valve and public money starts pouring out. A cop's decision to make a so-called traffic stop is the cop's decision to invest public money in what he just started. A traffic stop is state business. It's a financial transaction. Now, if there was no money, there would be no traffic stops. Cops don't volunteer. They don't work for free. They don't pay for the gas they use to ride around in the cop car during their shift. They don't pay the salaries of all the people involved in the process he started when he opened the valve. They cost shift. They impose the financial burden of what they start on the people they agreed to serve. They force the people they work for to pay for what they start. The cop isn't spending his own money to begin and fund a traffic stop or the process that's triggered when he issues the notice to appear. The party the cop stops is forced to participate. The so-called traffic stop is a compelled or compulsory financial transaction. And their choice of whether to participate in the transaction is denied summarily by their employee. When it comes to law enforcement, it's a rather expensive proposition. Basically, it's a protection racket in uniform. Where does any municipality or sheriff or highway patrol get the money they need for the following? The cop's salary, the cop's benefits, the maintenance of the cop's patrol vehicle, the cost of the cop headquarters, the cost of all the equipment, the cost to repair and replace the equipment. The various law enforcement agencies provide a service. Again, they're service providers. They don't sell merchandise. The service they provide is oftentimes imposed on customers without the customer's consent. The service transaction is compulsory. And the compelled customer oftentimes has no first right of refusal. They have to participate. They have to pay the service provider regardless of whether they wanted the service or not. Police service is compulsory insurance. Police are forcing people to purchase their service whether the people want it or not. Again, there's no legislative requirement for a service provider, absent a court order, to offer or provide their service. The typical service provided by local police is the so-called traffic stop. Again, it's a compelled or compulsory financial transaction where the employee is forcing his service on the party they forced to stop. Then the party winds up paying all the attending costs, the cops hourly, the development of his own defense, the electricity at, at court for the lights, etc., the commissioner's salary, the court clerk's salary, the bailiff's salary, the cost for processing the case, the cost for the case against him or her. Consider for a moment that if you're accused of a crime, that the district attorney represents the people because a crime is against the people of the state, and the district attorney is their attorney. Well, guess who pays for the development 
of the district of the people's case, the accused, the defendant. So you're paying for your defense and you're paying for the case against you, for the development of the case against you. And should the officer appear at trial, he'll get paid for that too. The so-called traffic stop is just a method used to take property and time from the innocent motorist. Whether the officer employees uh, civil, hmm. let me start again. Whether the officer employs civil asset forfeiture right then and there, or the party doesn't have the property summarily taken a curbside and they have their day in court, it's the same thing. Simply delayed and draped in the clothes of official process. Either way, it's civil asset forfeiture because the party stopped has not committed any crime when it comes to infractions. The court proceeding is a civil action packaged as a criminal action with all the criminal trimmings, trimmings with the exception of three essential elements. Jury trial, attorney paid for a public expense, and jail time. Now, everyone knows or should know that when you're accused of a crime, you're entitled to your secured right of a trial by jury and an attorney paid for a public expense. You know the Miranda notice? Anything you say can will be used in a court of law. You can't afford an attorney. Uh, one will be provided. You ever wonder why a cop never reads a Miranda notice for infractions? Because they would have to to an attorney. But you're not. Why? Because it's a fine-only offense. It's not a crime. This is what you're going to find at California Penal Code, Section 689. No person can be convicted of a public offense unless by verdict of a jury, accepted and recorded by the court by a finding of the court in a case where a jury has been waived or by a plea of guilty. Let me repeat that. Penal Code, Section 689. No person can be convicted of a public offense unless by verdict of a jury, period. You can end it there. All the other stuff is interesting, but we don't need it. When you're accused of a crime, you get a trial by jury unless you waive it. End of story. It's a secured, fundamental right. This you'll find uh, at uh, Code of Civil Procedure, Section 24. Actions are of two kinds, civil and criminal. There's only two types of cases, civil and criminal. End of story. This is from a California Court of Appeals decision in 1914. It's ex parte Clark, ex parte Clark, 24 Calap 389, 24 Calap 389. In view of Code of Civil Procedure, Section 24, declaring actions to be two kinds, civil and criminal, and section 22 defining actions, there is no such thing as a quasi-criminal act. Now, given there's no such thing as a quasi-criminal act, we're faced with an either-or proposition. When it comes to the so-called traffic stops for infractions, either the officer subjects me to an arrest for crime or he doesn't. Given law enforcement officers are hired to deal with crime, presumptively, the arrest is for criminal conduct, to which the officer will be able to articulate that uh, 
at the appropriate time during trial. But I don't know how they're going to be able to do that because the California Court of Appeals in the Sava matter held infractions are crimes. So again, going back to the Alameda District Attorney's Office uh, point of view publication, um, on page one of their arrest from uh, their arrest publication from spring of 2009, a traffic arrest occurs when an officer stops a vehicle after seeing the driver commit an infraction. So we're being arrested for non-criminal conduct. Now, this is a rule that's imposed on the officer who stop uh, who arrest people. This is found at Penal Code Section 841. The person making the arrest must inform the person to be arrested of the intention to arrest him, of the cause of the arrest, and the authority to make it, except when the person making the arrest has reasonable cause to believe that the person to be arrested is actually engaged in the commission of or an attempt to commit an offense, or the person to be arrested is pursued immediately after its commission or after an escape. The person making the arrest must, on the request of the person he is arresting, inform the latter of the offense for which he is being arrested. We're being arrested for non-criminal infractions. The officer who approaches our window, typically we're going to hear something along the lines of, do you know why I pulled you over? Or do you know why I stopped you? When in fact, we should hear the officer complying with Penal Code Section 841 and informing the party behind the wheel that they're under arrest and the reason why. But that's not what they're doing. What they're doing is fishing. You know why I pulled you over? You know why I stopped you? How can I possibly know? And even if I did, do I have to answer his question? Or do I have the right to remain silent given this is an arrest? So um, I have been subjected to a so-called traffic stop, and I've asked the question, am I under arrest? And they don't, and they say no. So I, I follow that up with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, am I free to leave? No. Well, okay, make up your mind, officer. I'm not under arrest, but I'm not free to leave. What is it? Well, what it is is me capturing an employee in fraud because that's what they're doing. They're trying to trick me into forfeiting or waiving my rights. Now, everyone who's ever been stopped for some alleged violation constituting an infraction of the vehicle code has never been informed by the officer that they're under arrest. Yet the officer doesn't hesitate asking all kinds of quest questions, but never reads the Miranda notice. And the legislature at Penal Code Section 841 imposes a mandatory duty on the party making the arrest to inform the party they're arresting of the reason for the arrest. The arrestee has no mandatory duty to ask, but they can if they want. And the party doing the arrest has to tell them. 
Now, how can a police officer, sheriff, deputy, or highway patrol officer be competent if they have no personal knowledge of infractions not being crimes? What do people need to see to be convinced that they're being subjected to false imprisonment and extortion and that their clearly established constitutional rights are being denied and prejudiced by those who swore an oath to do no such thing? What more evidence do people need to see before they stand up and say, enough's enough? Now, what I'm about to read is... uh, it's pretty cool, I think. You're going to find this in, a, in a, uh, a law encyclopedia. It's called American Jurisprudence. This is the second edition. It's volume 70, Amjur 2nd. Amjur is short for American Jurisprudence. Section 50, subsection 7, Civil Liability. An officer may be held liable in damages to any person injured in the consequence of a breach of any of the duties connected with his office. The liability for nonfeasance, misfeasance, and for malfeasance in office is in his individual, not his official capacity. Why is that? Because if he's acting beyond the scope of his constitutional duty, if he's acting beyond um, uh, or, or acting uh, without authorization provided by the legislature, he cannot be acting in his official capacity. He's trespassing. He's forfeited. He's given up. He's stepped outside of that zone of safety. He's dressed like a cop, talks like a cop, driving a cop car, has all the uh, accoutrements of a cop. But he's no longer a cop. Why? Because he's acting without authorization. That's why. So what does that mean to we the people? That officer has no qualified immunity. He can be sued in his individual capacity, Mr. Cop, as opposed to Officer Cop. And you're, you're going to see those words, again, in Volume 70 of American Jurisprudence Second. Section 50, subsection 7, under civil liability. Now, the other day, uh, as typically happens for me anyway, I'm tripping around the net looking for something completely unrelated, and I ran across this. In fact, I don't know what it is. It was a YouTube video, and I started to watch it, and this is what I heard the Honorable Judge Beth Andrus say. Under State versus Michelli and Rule 8.3b, a defendant must show two things before the court can dismiss the charges. Arbitrary government action, government misconduct, or government mismanagement, and prejudice affecting a defendant's right to a fair trial. Again, That's a quote. That's a direct quote from the Honorable Judge Beth Andrus. And uh, she's a a judge up in Washington State. 
I'm going to repeat it. Under State versus Michelli and Rule 8.3b, a defendant must show two things before the court can dismiss the charges. Arbitrary government action, government misconduct or government mismanagement, and prejudice affecting a, a defendant's right to a fair trial. So after I got done uh, hearing that, I went over to the Washington Court's uh, website where they have the court rules, and I found the rule she was referring to, 8.3, dismissal. And this is Section B. On motion of the court, the court, in the furtherance of justice, after notice and hearing, may dismiss any criminal prosecution due to arbitrary action or governmental misconduct when there has been prejudice to the rights of the accused, which materially affect the accused's rights to a fair trial. The court shall set forth its reasons in a written order. Ladies and gentlemen, how can you possibly receive a fair trial when what the officer did wasn't authorized? How can you possibly wind up at a trial when what the officer did wasn't authorized? Again, why do adults tolerate, condone, and pay for being abused and subjected to the loss of their clearly established constitutional rights? It's mind-boggling. Now, this is from a, uh, a United States Court of Appeals uh, decision for the Second Circuit. This is out of New York. And it's from a case entitled uh, Rasanen, R.A. S-A-N-E-N. So, Bunky, you want a heads up on this one. R-A-S-A-N-E-N versus Brown. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a 2013 case, so it's uh, hot off the griddle. And the number is 12-680-CV, Charlie Victor. 12-680-Charlie Victor. To constitute plain error, a court's action must contravene an established rule of law and go to the very essence of the case. And then there's uh, some in-between stuff, and then here's this next part that I thought was more important than the stuff that preceded it. This error, the error the court made, contravened an established rule of law and was sufficiently serious to undermine the very integrity of the trial. I'm going to reread that because it's really good stuff. To constitute plain error, a court's action must contravene an established rule of law and go to the very essence of the case. This error, the one the court made, contravened an established rule of law and was sufficiently serious to undermine the very integrity of the trial. Now, hopefully that's clear and unambiguous and no reading between the lines is going to be necessary. Again, and according to the California Supreme Court, the state must not profit from its own wrong. People versus Parham, 60 Cal 2nd, 378. The so-called traffic stop consists of a law enforcement officer alleging the motorist made an error. This is what people are being accused of, making an error or breaking a rule. That's how the, the preceding court citation tran uh, translates. 
no rule breaking. A statement is not profit from its own uh, from its own wrong. No rule breaking. Government employees are subject to the same ancient this same ancient concept as the people they serve. You're not rewarded when you break rules. That's how it works. Little kids know this stuff. But apparently adults, as we, uh, I guess, shave more often, we, we lose sight of the stuff we, we were acutely aware of when we used to get pushed. When we broke a rule and, you know, one of our buddies pushed us for break, because they determined we broke a rule. Police officers and highway patrol officers and sheriff deputies are breaking the law right now. And hopefully that's what's been demonstrated by these court citations and these other government sources. So, having said all that, uh, I'm actually done with the thing. Um, now, what might be a, uh, uh, a solution, a practical solution for our, our, our situation here? Because when we go out of our castle uh, to get a, an ice cream cone or over to the store for a can of peaches or maybe... Um, take a friend or family member to the movies or whatever, or, or go to our place of worship, we become subject to the evaluation of our employees who are hired to enforce law. They, observe, they, they sit in their car or on their motorcycle and they observe conduct. They turn on their red lights and they pull people over. Now, when, when, when those red lights go on, uh, those... Um, those officers, those employees, have made an evaluation. And they have determined, they have concluded, they have presumed that the, the someone they observed broke the crime threshold. Well, that's either true or false. And as everybody just heard, infractions are not crimes. But don't believe me. Look in your own vehicle code. Look in your penal code. And here is what I might consider a practical solution. Now, the legislature makes the law. The legislature has fully occupied the field of criminal law. They make the rules when it comes to criminal law. Nobody else. So it seems entirely reasonable to me that your legislature would know the law or would at least do part of the job they were hired to do and look into it to satisfy and aid in their constituents' understanding of the law. Same goes for the city council members. Now, these people are our employees. We don't work for them. They wanted to work for us. So it seems entirely reasonable that in order to verify what you all just heard, you might send a simple question to your state legislator, such as, are infractions of the vehicle code a crime? That's all you got to do. Start acquiring building blocks. I'm confident everybody who hears this is uh, familiar with the story of the three little pigs. Okay? We're living in a house made of bricks, and we don't know it. And hopefully what I've, what I've shared will illuminate that fact. We're living in a house of bricks. We are the employer. 
the law enforcement officers of the various agencies are our employees. That's it. They are one down to us. They wanted to work for us. It's a privilege to work for us. They applied to work for us. They qualified, theoretically, to work for us. They are supposed to know the law. What law is that? The very law, the lawmaking body of government wrote. Now, if the legislature doesn't know the law, who does? Well, between the legislature and the courts, (laughs) both of them. And there's a lot of great information in court cases. Now, I'm going to read two sections from the California Government Code, and this ought to blow everybody's hair back a little bit. This is from California Government Code, Section 6250. In enacting this chapter, the legislature, mindful of the right of individuals to privacy, finds and declares that access to information concerning the conduct of the people's business is a fundamental and necessary right of every person in this state. works for me. This is from uh, Government Code Section 54950, Declaration of Legislative Purpose. In enacting this chapter, the legislature finds and declares that the public commissions, boards, and councils and other public agencies in this state exist to aid in the conduct of the people's business. It is the intent of the law that their actions be taken openly and that their deliberations be conducted openly. The people of this state do not yield their sovereignty to the agencies which serve them. The people in delegating authority, and that's why the LAPD's mission statement is wrong, because we haven't given them anything. We've delegated some authority, but it's delegated on a grant, not a give. The people in delegating authority do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know and what is not good for them to know. The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. I'm going to reread that. The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. We are in the catbird seat. And we're mismanaging our power. This is a power struggle between our employees and us. Our employees are attempting to convince us that they're the employer and that we work for them. Now, again, a peace officer, whether it be a a local constabulary, sheriff, deputy, or highway patrol officer, has been authorized to spend public money, our money. Whenever they turn on the red lights, they, they walk over to the valve, and they open it wide open, and money starts pouring out. You know, they never turn off the engine of the cop car. Who's paying for the gas? That would be the somebody they're subjecting to the warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior. I don't know, but that just doesn't seem uh, equitable. That just doesn't seem to be giving the employer their due. 
Now, it seems entirely reasonable to me that if I know this stuff, then someone who's riding around the neighborhood with a loaded weapon, a cattle prod, and a nightstick, who can beat the hell out of people, and they do, and electrocute people, and they do, and shoot people, and they do, and take the people's stuff, which they do, without paying for it, they ought to know what it is they're enforcing. So how can they be competent if they don't know what an infraction is and what an infraction isn't? The Court of Appeals held in 1987 infractions are not crimes. Apparently, the memo hasn't gotten to all the police agencies yet because apparently they still don't know. Now, tomorrow, bright and early, people are going to be moseying over to traffic courts all through California and elsewhere in this country, and they're going to be sitting someplace they don't want to sit, interacting with people they don't want to interact with, having spent their time, their money to get there, and they're going to sit there quaking in their boots trying to figure out, uh, well, what's my fault? You know, and then uh, on with the show. And they're paying for everything. This is a sick joke. It's burden shifting at its finest. And again, it's a, it's, a, it's a compulsory protection racket. The police are forcing people to pay for something they didn't ask for. And if you have the audacity to ask for a warrant or go get a warrant, like what recently happened to a guy, and I think it was either North or South Carolina recently, he's dead. The cops came to the wrong house. Cops wanted to come in. He said, go get a warrant, shuts the door. Cops kick the door in. He's dead. And they had the wrong guy. A couple of weeks ago, a uh, woman police officer in Pennsylvania uh, she was acquitted of shooting a guy and killing him. She pulled a guy over a few years ago, a couple of years ago, for an expired tab on his car, an infraction, a fine only offense. She pulls a guy over, and you can watch the video. You can watch her murder somebody. Guy gets out of the car for whatever reason. He starts to run. She shoots a taser into his back. He falls face forward into the snow. She starts yelling at him, show me your hand, show me your hand. He's being electrocuted, doesn't show his hands fast enough. She plugs him twice in the back. And for some reason, the, the jury in Pennsylvania found her not guilty. And she was quoted as saying, I've been to hell and back. Um... Well, no, Audie Murphy went to hell and back. If anybody knows who uh, Audie Murphy was, you might want to check into his story. He's a Medal of Honor winner from the Second World War. He went to hell and back. She shot a guy in the back. He's dead. She got paid. What'd she shoot him for? What'd she stop him for? A non-criminal, fine-only offense. Why? Because while he was laying on the ground shaking, being electrocuted, he didn't show his hands fast enough, so fast enough, so she plugged him. I mean, how, how many how many more uh, horror stories do we need to hear? Then now, what's going to happen up in San Francisco? Don't know if you folks heard all this, but uh, a guy had the hell beat out of him 
uh, a la Rodney King style uh, over the weekend. A, a lunatic, a, guy, a crazy guy, he, uh, he, he runs from the cops in his car, takes off, goes across the bay, winds up in San Francisco, gets out of his car, runs, two cops catch up to him and beat the living hell out of the guy. And, and the um, public defender's office in both Alameda County and San Francisco County are up in arms about it saying, this is, this is uh, can't be doing this stuff. I mean, what's, what's it going to take? How much more do people need to see before they realize that this stuff is completely out of control? They're using our money to punish us, and they're getting paid for it. Now, um, uh, as, as you folks can probably tell, I'm kind of fed up with all this stuff, and uh, hopefully um, uh, everybody who's got a car uh, will be too. And again, it's my interest in, in sharing inf- information with people so that they know about the law and their rights and how to better protect their rights and their families' and friends' rights. And so it's my hope that in addition to my assertions that the citations I've provided will aid in everybody's proper assertion of their own power because as the legislature wrote here in California, um, the public agencies, um, commissions, boards, councils in this state exist to aid in the conduct of the people's business. And the people of this state do not yield their sovereignty to the agencies which serve them. Police departments are service providers, and they're subjecting people to compulsory insurance not unlike Obamacare. In any event, um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So I'm going to unmute everybody and see if anybody would like to ask a question or make a comment. And uh, we can do some of that if you'd like. Or if not, call it an evening and thank everybody for stopping by. Oh, by the way, um, I'm going to stick some, um, I want to give a, I want to, I want to plug a guy. <laughs> His name is John Rourke. Uh, and he's out there in uh, Colorado and John uh, found a company that makes plates for your, for your car or truck. And, uh, they say, um, a private conveyance, not for hire. A lot of people are unaware that, um, uh, the license plate is evidence that you're involved in the activity the license permits, and it can be used against you. Now, a lot of people are unaware that there is commercial travel and there is non-commercial travel. The license, the driver's license, uh, permits, um, well, okay, guess number six, yes. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's better not to have plates. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore about this. Um, I don't want any brand on my horse if I don't want a brand on my horse. So, in fact, um, I would argue or actually agree that it's better not to have a plate. Why? Because it it has to do with what you can do with the officer in court. 
okay? You see, if you have a plate on your car, then that's evidence you're engaged, the, the, the plate issued by the DMV, that's evidence that you're engaged in the activity being regulated. You may not be, but it, it, it can be used against you. Now, if you put one of these uh, not-for-hire uh, personal conveyance plates on your car, an officer might look at that and go, uh-oh, that's an alien UFO and they're here to take over. Let's say they might pull you over to uh, ask you a bunch of questions. So it's kind of dicey, but it, it depends on how you'd like to deal with this issue. Um, but in, in any event, John Rourke, uh, he, he, um, I'm going to put his... Um, I'm going to put his uh... – okay, let me do this. Hello? I hear somebody. So there's some, um, there's some links, YouTube, YouTube one, if folks want to check it out. Um, here's a few more. I'm sorry, I'm I'm having a uh, a hard time hearing whomever. I don't know about a good dash cam band, uh, brand. I guess GoPro is pretty good. I mean, uh, guys are putting it on their motorcycle helmets. They're putting it on their uh, mountain bike helmets, doing mountain bike uh, races and stuff like that. Those seem to be pretty um, pretty effective, but I really don't know what the best brand for a dash cam would be. Um, uh, here's some, some of this. In any event, um, <clears throat> now what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So um, I'm kind of a, you know, what a good question to ask when pulled over. Well, that's, that's, a, good, that's a, a good question. However, it depends on who you are and who the officer is. Um, I, uh, now, I'm not an attorney, so I'm not going to give any legal advice because I can't give any legal advice, but if it was me, and depending upon the officer and the officer's uh, attitude, um, I might ask the question, am I under arrest? Now, when, when, when you go to YouTube, you, you'll, you'll see a lot of videos of police encounters and I have only heard out of I and I've downloaded at least 125 and out of that 125 or so I think I've only heard one or two people who have asked if they're under arrest everybody to a driver asks am I being detained as far as I'm concerned that's a wasted question you can't leave you're being detained but the better question, as far as I'm concerned, is am I under arrest? Why? Because that's the word provided by the legislature. There's no procedures or rules in the vehicle code or the penal code or any other code for that matter um, that ha have to do with detentions or traffic stops. Now, in fact, if... Y'all go to, uh, and I would, I would suggest people do this um, because you, you get free law lessons. Go, go to a traffic court 
Go to any traffic court, morning or afternoon calendar. Just sit there and watch what happens. Listen to what, what, what's going on. You can get a lot of valuable tips. Uh, you find out just how screwed, screwed up things are. Uh, but, but when the officer shows up, now this is what's going on here in California. I'm hearing officers use the term enforcement stop. Well, that's a colloquial definition. And I know that the officer uh, doesn't have personal knowledge of that because it's not in any code section. So, so what they're doing is they're being coached by somebody to say enforcement stop. And according to the Alameda DA, well, that's exactly what it is. It's not, a, it's not an investigation. They're not investigating anything. They're enforcing the code. According to the Alameda District Attorney, a traffic arrest occurs when an officer stops a vehicle after seeing the driver commit an infraction. But, but in no code do we find the definition of enforcement stop. And I know that they're being told that by someone else because the vast majority of these guys, they don't read court cases. I'm not saying all of them don't. But I know for a fact what I do every single day, and I know the vast majority of peace officers aren't doing what I'm doing. They're not reading court cases, but they're using a term that's not found in any provided by the legislature. So where's it coming from? It's got to come from an attorney. They're being coached by someone because they wouldn't say this kind of stuff. So in any event. Um, a lot of people in the YouTube videos are, are asking, am I being detained? To me, that's a waste of, that's a waste of breath. Um, so I would, if it was me, again, I, am I under arrest? Now, that puts the officer in an awkward position. If he says, if he says no, then I'm free to leave. But if, he, if, he, if, he's, a, if he's a smart ass, he might say, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, do you need to be? Well, now I know I got a gamer, okay? So um, I, would, I would ask him the same or her the same exact question. Officer, am I under arrest? I'm not leaving. Until, I'm not going to leave from that question until I get an answer because that's all I care about. Am I under arrest, yes or no? I don't care what they're doing. I just want to know if I'm under arrest. If I'm not under arrest, then I don't have to talk to them. You know why I pulled you over? That's probably what a lot of people are going to hear. Do you know why I stopped you? Do you know why I pulled you over? That's probably what a lot of people are going to hear. My answer to that would be, officer, am I required to answer your questions? There's only one correct answer to that. And the answer is no. So if the officer goes, um, you know why I pulled you over? Officer, am I required to answer your questions? Well, if it's legitimate, if it's state-authorized business, and, and, and you're being arrested, you have the right to remain silent, right? The Miranda warning, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Well, it's also going to be used against you at a curbside. So shut up. You don't have to say anything. But you can if you want to. It's up to you. So I might say, well, if the officer says, um, you know, you know why I pulled you over. Am, um, am I required to answer your questions? He's going to say, well, sir, you might, <laughs> that's a yes or no question. So it's yes, no, or I don't know. If I hear anything other than yes, no, I don't know, I got a gamer. 
This is not going to work out well for them. It may not work out too well for me. I might have to walk home, might lose my car. But, I, but um, by the time we get to the courtroom, out, out, out of curbside, the guy with the loaded gun is God. In the courtroom, I'm God. That's how it works. And that guy can't leave or that woman can't leave until I'm done asking them questions. And they're going to be confronted with a boatload of questions they've never had asked before. And if they don't, know, if they don't answer correctly, they're going to have bigger problems that when, than when they do answer correctly. So am I under arrest? Yes or no? Uh, well, no, it's a traffic stop. Great. Am I free to leave? No. Okay, great. You know why, know why I pulled you over? Officer, am I required to answer your questions? Well, no. So if I consent to answer your questions, can you use that against me? Hmm. Well, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now, this might, yeah. Now, here, here's a question that just showed up. Are you here on state-authorized business? Instead of that, I might fra- I would probably phrase it as, officer, is this state-authorized business? Now, if it's state-authorized business, then he's got to, um, he's got a, he's he's um, he's got a duty per Penal Code Section 841 to inform him inform me I'm under arrest and the reason for the arrest. And when I ask him if I'm under arrest, he's still got the same duty to tell me. But they don't. So that's something you can use against them in court. You know, if, if you're issued the citation or notice to appear. So when you get to court, you can, uh, excuse me, uh, one of the questions that, that the officer could be asked is, officer, um, are there rules that apply to you when you enforce the codes? Yes. Now, do you have personal knowledge of Penal Code Section 841? He better say yes or she better say yes. Yes, I do. Great. So at the time you initiated contact with me, did you inform me I was under arrest? Ouch. So when I asked you, officer, if I was under arrest, did you tell me? What did you say? Do you recall what you said? If it's state-authorized business, I've got to follow the rules. Now, and another thing, if someone has the uh, <laughs> cojones to ask the officer, is this state-authorized business, that officer is probably going to interpret that as a provocation, and they might bridle back a little bit and get ready to pounce. <clears throat> but it can be asked in a um, non-threatening way. So, officer, is the state authorized business? Now, you might get a response like, it sure the hell is. Why wouldn't it be? The officer, just asking. Now you got them. Because if it's state authorized business, then it's got to relate to Penal Code Section 836 and Vehicle Code Section 40300.5. Why? Because those are the two sections in the California codes that provide discretion for the officer to make a warrantless arrest as long as the conditions are met. If none of those conditions exist, then the warrantless arrest is void. So what we're concerned with is Penal Code Section 836, where we're informed that the officer may arrest without a warrant warrant when a 
uh, public offenses committed in their presence. Well, again, a public offense is synonymous with crime. And as uh, the Court of Appeals held in the Sava matter, infractions are not crimes. So a question that you might ask the officer, or you could ask an officer in court, not at curbside, in court. Remember, the guy with the gun is God. But when you get to court, that officer can't take his pistol out of his uh, holster and start waving it around at you. He's got to maintain. So this is where you can take care of your business without getting a beat down. So, officer... um, at the time of your contact, were you in possession of or responding to a warrant for my arrest? Well, no. Great. Now, what, is that a fact you issued the notice to appear? Oh, yeah. And you signed it. Is that correct? Yeah. And you cited section, uh, let's say, uh, 52, uh, 4000 of the vehicle code. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, that, that has to do with registration. Is that correct? Yes. Now, is an alleged violation of 4000 a a crime? Ouch. The mere fact you got that question out of your mouth and onto the record is key. If the officer knows the law, he's got to say no. If he says yes, he's got a big problem. Got a real big problem because you've got an incompetent witness on the stand. By the way, um, the, uh, the officer who issues the notice to appear is the state's witness. They're not the damaged party. When it comes to crime, the people are the damaged party, and the district attorney is their attorney. The officer is nothing more than the witness. So for those of you folks who have been to a traffic trial for an infraction or a fine-only offense, and the officer, in fact, showed up, uh, then you're aware that there was the state's witness, the defendant, and the judicial officer. We don't have all the actors on the stage. Where is the people's attorney? Who's prosecuting the case? The officer can't. Why? Because the officer is not an attorney. Nobody gets to practice law without a license. That officer cannot practice law. The DA can practice law, and that's what they would be doing, prosecuting the people's case. But they don't show up for fine-only offenses. Anybody want to take a stab at how this is legitimate? Who the hell is prosecuting on behalf of the people? It's impossible. It's illegal It's legally impossible for the cop to do it. It's legally impossible for the judicial officer to do it. Well, who's doing it? Again, this is a a monumental scandal that's going on, and it's at the people's expense. And um, for those of you folks who uh, made the time to stop, okay, that's great. So someone typed in uh, administrative law tribunal. Interestingly enough, now I'm, I'm in California and I've been studying uh, California traffic law for over two decades. And um, California adopted, uh, didn't adopt, they, uh, they modeled the infraction 
on New York law. Prior to 1968, there was only misdemeanors and felonies in California. So in 1966, let's say, if you're pulled over for a burned-out taillight, that was a misdemeanor, you were looking at a jail sentence. Well, the courts realized in the early 50s that, that Houston, we got a problem. <clears throat> they were spending gargantuan amounts of money on jury trials for $2 fines. So not only did the state have to pay for the jury, they also had to pay for the defendant's attorney. And if the defendant was sent to jail, they had to pay for that too. Plus a jury trial back in the olden days would take like maybe three days on average. <coughs> Excuse me. So in the early 50s, the uh, folks over in the, in, in the law field decided to see if they could come up with a, uh, something a little more cost-effective. So they began studies, and um, uh, in, in uh, 1968, the legislature codified into law the infraction. And as you, you folks have heard, uh, according to the Court of Appeal in 1987, it's a non-criminal traffic infraction. In fact, it was sponsored and endorsed by the California Judicial Council. If you folks don't know what the California Judicial Council is, you might want to look into it because those are the big dogs. They sponsored and endorsed the legislation creating the non-criminal traffic infraction. Now, as um, you folks may know, um, California finally came to their senses a couple of years ago and criminalized Possession of an ounce or less of grass, marijuana, pot. Very smart. Why? Because it's stupid. They finally came to their senses and decided, hey, look, you know, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm not suggesting people go out and, and buy grass or anything. I'm just saying that, that they finally came to their senses and decriminalized it. So guess what? Possession of an ounce or less of grass is an infraction, a non-criminal infraction, just like infractions in the vehicle codes, like talking on a cell phone, not wearing a seatbelt, overly tinted windows, fuzzy dice hanging from the mirror, uh, burned out taillight, burned, uh, expired tab, California stop, five to ten miles over the speed limit. I'm not encouraging people break the law. That's not what I'm encouraging. I'm encouraging people to be under, be aware of the law and understand how it works and the limits imposed on our employees. These people wanted to be our employees, not the other way around. And if they don't like what they agreed to do, they can quit and go work in the private sector. Now, fortunately, or, or actually, uh, oh, any, anyway, getting back to the Administrative Law Tribunal, uh, again, California adopted the infraction model uh, from New York, but they left out one, one aspect of it, the Administrative Law Tribunal. There was discussion about having, having the hearing conducted in an Administrative Law Tribunal or an administrative setting. However, they chose instead to have the courts deal with it. So that's why I, I said earlier in the broadcast that it's a criminal uh, it's a civil action packaged in a criminal package. It looks like a crime, 
but it's not a crime. You get you get an arraignment, for example. Guilty, not guilty, no lo contendere. That that's not part of a civil action. It's part of a criminal action. But you don't get a trial, a jury trial. You don't get a jury trial. That's part of a criminal action. You get an attorney. You don't get an attorney paid for a public expense. That's part of a criminal action. You could wind up going to jail. That's part of a criminal action. None of that. None of those elements are uh, are, are part of a civil action. So this is a civil. It's technically breach contract. That's what it is, technically. The party subjected to the so-called traffic stop is being accused of breach of contract by the officer. You were talking on a cell phone. Yeah, well, you agreed not to talk on a cell phone when you're driving your car. Oh, not wearing a seatbelt. Uh, you're in breach of agreement for not wearing your seatbelt. What? Yeah, when you went to the DMV and applied for the driving privilege, you agreed to wear a seatbelt when you drove your car. Oh, that's breach of contract. You owe us some money. It's all breach of contract stuff, but they're packaging it in in, in a uh, criminal package. The sooner people realize and find out this stuff and realize what's going on, it's going to stop because we're being abused. Our fr- we're being abused. Our family and friends are being abused. Our neighbors are being abused. Everybody's being abused by people who are supposed to be competent and know the law, and they don't. Now, you want to find out how, how bad it is in this country? This is something that I do. Um, I call uh, criminal defense attorneys in different states. It's another, uh, what I think is, is, is something practical that can be done. Uh, I call criminal defense attorneys in other states, and whoever answers the phone um, I, I've been asking this question. Um, what do you guys call a fine-only offense? What's the name for that? You want to find out how ignorant people are, especially people working in law offices, including attorneys? Just call up at random anyone you want, a criminal defense attorney, someone who deals with DUIs and, or, or other traffic cases, and ask whoever answers the phone, hi, uh, I'm, I'm doing some uh, legal research. Just have a quick question. What do you, wh- what's a, uh, a fine-only offense called? It's, a, it, it, it's, amaz- it's astonishing. It's astonishingly bad how ignorant people are in the law, in the field of law, in the profession of law. And um, in conclusion, um, this really isn't as mysterious as as a lot of people think it is. If people can talk, if they can ask questions, if they can read, if they can type, they can do law. It's really not that difficult. Uh, and it's important that people see. That's that's important as well. And so again, what I like to do is um, uh, provide people with credible sources, credible information from unassailable sources. So if anybody has an interest in um, 
as a question or comment, uh, I can be contacted at proper, P-R-O-P-E-R, at section520.org, proper, at section520.org. And I do have some items, some study materials uh, available, and people will be able to take a look at what I what I offer at uh, my, my domain, which is section520.org, section520, the number 520.org, forward slash items, I-T-E-M-S dot H-T-M-L, section520.org, forward slash items dot H-T-M-L. If you'd like to check out uh, study materials I have available. And um, I would also suggest taking a look at some uh, videos I have posted at my YouTube channel, which is Driving is Commerce, all one word, Driving is Commerce, no spaces, lowercase, Driving is Commerce, at my YouTube channel. And you'll see uh, a number of videos there. And hopefully, uh, you'll be able to piece this together. I provided a lot of information so that people have a better understanding of what's going on. So if there's... Um, no questions or comments. Uh, I want to thank everybody for stopping by. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to stop by. I hope I said something useful. And uh, uh, we'll do this again. Thank you, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.